Hey everybody, welcome to the Quest for Life podcast. I'm Dr. Ed Slover, and I'm fiercely passionate about having the opportunity to help shorten the learning curve for the people I'm blessed to have come into my life. I'm going to call a little audible today, do this episode a little bit differently. Today I'll be chatting about my journey into podcasting. More specifically, I'll discuss how I got started, how I go about writing content for each episode, where and when I record each episode, and why I continue doing it now that the Quest for Life podcast nears 40 episodes. Before we start, I thought I'd share a couple of fun facts. Number one, in the last 15 years, the number of podcasts have grown by a factor of 42, which is to say that in 2006, there were roughly 90,000 podcasts. And today, according to Podcast Index, there are more than 4.2 million podcasts. Number two, there are approximately 104 million Americans that listen to podcasts each month. Number three, 66% of consumers today prefer podcasts to television. Number four, approximately 80% of people listen to podcasts while commuting. And number five, and this is crazy, the Joe Rogan Experience earnings estimate is approximately $30 million annually. I mean, that's just nuts. As with the Quest for Life podcast, most podcasters don't don't get into this or publish content in the hopes of monetizing at that level. I mean, we certainly would not scoff at that. But we do it because we have something to say or we believe we add value to our listeners' lives. For me, the podcast journey began a few years ago, although I didn't realize it had. I'm a full-time faculty member in a large university in the Southwest United States, and over the past couple of years, a number of my students inquired about whether or not I had a podcast, and they expressed a desire for me to start one. And in the moment, I didn't do anything about it, but in, in, upon reflection, those little seeds were planted. And as I was leaving campus in December of 2021, I walked to the parking garage with a student named Frankie, and Frankie inquired about it. And he said, you know, Ed, I would listen to you every week if you had a podcast. I mean, beyond being incredibly complimented by that, it, it finally dawned on me that, you know, perhaps I should, you know, explore this further. But my assumption that I was operating under was that starting a podcast was cost prohibitive or I, you know, I didn't have a fancy or professional recording studio or heck, I, would I be able to produce, you know, the type of content that I wanted to uh, week over week or month over month and keep it going over time. But with Frankie's inspiration, with my previous student's inspiration, I decided to uh, to start you know, formulating the, the thoughts and the structure around this thing. And it, admittedly, it got overwhelming fairly quickly because I started thinking, what are the goals of the podcast? Who are my intended audience? What are my content ideas? What equipment do I need? Where, where am I going to record this thing? When am I going to record this thing? Uh, where am I going to host this online? How frequently will I publish episodes? What other distribution channels you know, will I explore? Heck, what am I going to call this thing? And it's easy to get overwhelmed very, very quickly. But let me start with saying starting a podcast is easy. And if you're considering starting a podcast, two things you should know. Number one, you should do it. 
it's a lot of fun. It's incredibly gratifying. It's somewhat unusual sometimes, though, sitting in a room by yourself and you're, you're trying to you know, imagine who's listening on the other side of the microphone or the other side of the screen, and you're trying to be enthusiastic while you're gesticulating all over the place, and you look like a crazy person if someone were to observe you, but it is extraordinarily gratifying. Number two, pick a topic or topics that you're passionate about. Focus less on trying to fit, fit yourself into a prospective, prospective listener's box. Now, I did say we need to explore our intended audience. That, that is true. But what we don't want to try to do is be all things to all people. And when we pick a topic that we're passionate about or we pick a topic that we know a lot about, you'll have an audience. It, make no mistake though, it'll take time to grow the audience if for no other reason that they have so many competing priorities in their life, they have so many other ways to consume content, and you know we're dealing with a 24-hour you know, a day fixed time pie. So, but if you stick with it, if you stick with it and focus on topics that you know add value to people's lives, your audience will find you, your audience will grow over time. So let me take a step back and go back to kind of the setup of this thing. Now, I, I formulated really a top 10 things that you should consider prior to starting a podcast. The first is, what are the goals of your podcast? For me, I wanted to talk about things that I found both interesting and helpful for other people. I have an insatiable appetite for learning and teaching. And my guess was if I pursued this, I could kill two birds with one stone by researching topics that I'm passionate about while helping shorten the learning curves of other people. So that was really my, my goal for establishing this, this podcast. The next was who is my intended audience? So number two, intended audience. And that one's pretty easy. It's, it, if you've listened to the Quest for Life podcast, with any regularity, you know that I have a, a passion and an interest for self-improvement and personal and professional growth. And those are really what I discuss during each and every podcast episode. So for those who have become a fan of, of the podcast, you know that this is something I'm genuinely passionate about. And, and I know that that comes through on the other side of this microphone. Number three is equipment needs. Now, this is something that uh, you, you might think, gosh, I don't know how I can possibly afford doing this podcast. Let me tell you, whenever you start researching microphones or headsets or what are called pop filters, um, and you know, then you know, can you do it from your phone? Can you do it from your computer? Can you do it in all sorts? It, it can get overwhelming really, really quickly. And it's like buying knives. Now you can spend what you want on a cutlery set. What I found is uh, that makes this process easy is go to Amazon and search for podcast microphones and you'll see an entire list of, uh, of products that are available all, you know, varying in, in, in quality, certainly varying in price, but can actually get the job done. There are microphone bundles that um, come with both the microphone and a stand and a pop filter. And if you don't know what a pop filter is, it keeps the off of the off of the microphone. 
As for headphones, I highly recommend you buy over-the-ear headphones with a plug so you can plug it into the microphone so as you're recording, you can hear your voice. You can, in my case, you can hear all the mistakes being made in real time. Certainly, you can use wireless uh, headphones. Just make sure it, it's compatible with your, the laptop and the hosting service so there's not any interruption there. And overall, the cost of the equipment, really, it probably ranges from somewhere between $100 to $1,000. But you can really spend however much you want. Uh, my suggestion is that you start somewhat modestly and then as you get into it more and more, as you become familiar with the technology and you want to enhance the quality of the, the overall podcast, then upgrade over time. So that's equipment needs. Number four, when to record your podcast. This is pretty straightforward. It really has everything to do with whether or not your schedule permits time to record the podcast. You might even consider podcast length. If you notice the Quest for Life podcast, the typical length is somewhere between 20 and 30 minutes. That was by design, going back to that statistic, that 80% of people listen to podcasts while commuting, and most people commute somewhere between 15 and 30 minutes. But when to record really comes down to your, your overall availability, I and mean, it seems pretty obvious. I'm actually recording this particular podcast right now because I ended up getting a hole in my schedule this afternoon and I decided to take this time just to knock it out you know, four or five days ahead of publishing the podcast. Where to record? From anywhere. I actually started the Quest for Life podcast in my bedroom closet. I, I had these little cubbies where I had my laptop and the microphone. I had my headset on. I was standing next, next to my wife's uh, shirts and jackets and sweaters that were hanging in the closet while I'm gesticulating all over the place trying not to create any ambient sound. I mean, humble beginnings uh, for sure. You can record from practically anywhere. My recommendation is that you do record from a quiet place to try to cut out any ambient noise. Number six, uh, where are you going to host your podcast? Now, as I was researching this, there are a ton of companies out there where you can, uh, you can host your podcast and distribute it to a variety of different uh, places through a variety of different platforms. For me, I found Anchor by Spotify. And I ended up choosing Anchor for two main reasons. The first, it's free. The second, I didn't know how long I would be publishing content and I didn't want to invest a lot of money into the, the process. Uh, I should note that there's a, there's a third reason I use Anchor is that the user interface is extraordinarily simple. It's really straightforward. There's only a couple of tabs and it, it gets the job done. I can also record on other type of voice recorders and drag and drop into Anchor and it automatically formats it to, um, you know, to the audio file that is compatible with Anchor. Number seven, I mentioned just a moment ago, other distribution channels. This is also a, one of your considerations. And the big ones are Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You might uh, consider Google, you might consider CastBox. There are other platforms available. For me, uh, the vast majority of my plays every week are through Apple Podcasts and Spotify, although I am listed in, on Google Podcasts and CastBox. Number eight, 
the frequency of publishing your podcast. For me, I chose weekly because of my availability. Uh, in assessing my schedule, I felt pretty comfortable about being able to write content and uh, produce a podcast at once a week. Any more than that would be uh, would really you know, butt up against uh, so many other things I've got going on in my life, and I didn't want the quality to suffer. Um, so really, you can increase your uh, frequency or decrease your frequency based on what works for you. Something like the Joe Rogan experience, experience publishes daily or almost daily, and that's one of the reasons, among many other, why uh, he's generating nearly $30 million each year. Um, friends of mine publish their podcast every other week. It really is your call. Number nine are content ideas. What I do is I, brain, I create brainstorming lists, or I ask people for ideas, or I have random thoughts you know, when I'm uh, out walking or whenever I'm working out and I, I, you know, those things that pop into my head that I, I keep a running list. So for example, the episode on gaslighting, I remembered someone misapplied the term in overhearing them in conversation and it got me thinking that, huh, this might actually be an interesting podcast episode. Well, sure enough, I forgot to write it down and weeks and weeks went by and it just never popped back into my head and lo and behold one morning I was working out and gaslighting popped right back into my head I immediately wrote it down and it became the next week's uh, podcast episode so running lists work certainly uh, certainly inquire with family or friends things that they may be interested in learning more about you know, drilling down into certain topical areas um, they can provide some really good feedback. And then number 10, what do you call it? I mean, you're creating a brand. So what, what do you call this thing? The original name of the Quest for Life podcast was called the Quest Life podcast. And if you go back to the uh, early episodes of season one, you'll hear me introduce the podcast as the Quest Life podcast. I was probably three or four episodes into this journey and I got an email from an organization based in Texas called The Quest Life. Now, as it turns out, that organization does re retreats for, uh, for Christian men. And I jumped on the website. I was admittedly completely inspired by you know, their mission and vision, but they kindly asked me to change the name because they had the trademark for that. I wasted no time to subsequently secure the naming rights for the Quest for Life podcast, um, both on my website and and for my podcast itself. So that's how that morphed into it. It was it, it was an honest mistake on my part because I, I didn't I didn't think far enough ahead to research perhaps that there are other organizations that were using that in the podcasting world. But sure enough, there were. Uh, I, I haven't. I didn't make that mistake again in naming it the Quest for Life. So, another consideration. Now, in terms of uh, prep time, it takes me about two to three hours per week in writing, researching, and recording uh, the podcast. Two to three hours, depending on the breadth and depth of the topic, depending on how heavy the topic is. 
two to three hours, maybe in upwards of four whenever you get into the publishing part of it. That's relatively easy and straightforward. One consideration uh, as well is if you use a, a platform like Anchor, you have to convert that audio file to what's called a FLAC file in order for it to be compatible with Apple. That's a crazy easy process to do because there are free file converters online that you can access. That's what I do every week. You're, you're, you're talking about for, reformatting in a matter of minutes. So when you establish the goals for your podcast, you've outlined the intended audience, you intend to produce you know, content that you're passionate about, you, you're going to try to you're going you're to try to you know, carve out time to write or research and record uh, at, at every week or every month or whatever whatever your cadence is. Uh, you may even intend to monetize the podcast. I mean that that, that is a is a nice goal uh, to have, but you, we're also competing with 4.2 million podcasts, and the likelihood that we're any one of us is going to become independently wealthy you know from this isn't that great but who knows if you have a passion and you uh, and you you publish regularly you will develop an audience you may even intend to have frequent guests and there's this interesting platform where you can actually connect with people that are either podcasters themselves or they want to be interviewed on podcasts to help uh, you draw attention to their particular business or both where they're both podcasters and interviewees or guests. That, that platform is called Podmatch. And the basic, uh, the basic service fee on that is like $6 a month. Uh, you can actually earn money from interviewing people. How, how they do the algorithms is, is somewhat confusing, but that is an option for you. Certainly you can leverage people in your network. Um, and then you have to decide when you have guests, do you want to do video podcasting or strictly audio podcasting? It's easy to kill two birds with one stone on this, where if you use a platform like Zoom, and I'm, I'm not promoting these um, uh, other than just you know, communicating what's available to you, um, Zoom or other recording platform, where you are able to download both the video and audio after the fact. So if you're like me who is currently only publishing audio I download both the video and audio and then just upload the audio to anchor and then subsequently Apple Podcasts, and uh, through it, it automatically gets distributed through these other platforms so each of those really are the intended consequences of the podcast and those are those are really pretty straightforward so you're establishing goals you're you're figuring out what equipment you need how you're going to schedule this, pace and sequence, what your topical areas are going to be, and figure out what you're going to call it. And then you get into it. Then you get started. And it is a ton of fun. And you can go off script. You can riff a little bit. Uh, I mean, whatever it is that you're, you're interested in talking about. So all of that's straightforward. But what you might find is something similar to what I found, which are there are unintended unintended consequences uh, whenever you start a podcast. For me, several unintended consequences stand out. First, I had no idea I would enjoy the process of researching and writing the content that goes into each episode. I had no idea. Second, I had no idea how cathartic or therapeutic podcasting is. 
I ended up seeing on Instagram a uh, a screenshot of someone who posted a a, a, t a tweet that said something like, "How is it that women, when they need therapy, seek out you know a psychologist, and when men need therapy, they start a podcast?" I mean. It, it, it makes me chuckle because there is some truth to that. I found it unbelievably therapeutic. And I think, I think the reason for that is I found myself taking my own advice from the content um, that I've produced and incorporating that into my life. It, it's also allowed me to reconcile some past issues and get some emotional baggage you know, off my chest. I'm able, I've been able to turn around and look at some of those things that are uh, emotional triggers from my past and uh, basically you know, just put that stuff down and be able to move forward in a more positive and productive way. I've also been able to incorporate my learning from the content that I'm producing into my professional practices, which reinforces the learning as well as the emotional reconciliation. Uh, finally, I became aware that both the written content and the audio will live on long after I'm gone, which makes me happy because my family, more specifically my kids, will never forget the sound of my voice. And why that's important to me is my father passed away when I was 13, and there's only one known recording of his voice, and whenever I hear it, I know it's him. But... I don't have access to, to hear his voice very often. And if, if I heard it just randomly, I don't know if I could pick that out of a crowd. And so having my voice you know, available in perpetuity, in addition to producing content that is actually helpful to people's lives, it brings me a lot of joy. And what I've also been doing with my, my pre-production worksheets is I, I embed messages to my to my family and, and to my kids. And so as long after I'm gone, whenever they're looking through scrapbooks, they're looking through, you know, the, the, the scribbles of the content that I've produced on these sheets, they're gonna be able to see these messages. And in many ways it's almost as if I'm still I'm still talking to them or um, I still have the ability to communicate with them. So all in, I couldn't be happier for starting this podcasting journey. The encouragement I've received prior to starting it from my former students, from the conversation walking to the parking garage with Frankie, from you know, running it by other people to see if they thought it would be a good idea really served as a spark for me. And I hope my encouragement for you to start your podcast serves as a spark for you and you consider starting your own podcasting quest. As usual, it's food for thought, fellow questers. Be sure to pass this episode on to someone who you might think would be interested in starting a podcast. And you can contact the show at thequestforlife.com. That's the quest number four, life.com. Thank you all for joining the conversation.